0: Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to, to Galilee. There they will see me.
1: Now we turn to our second Bible reading in Matthew chapter 28 and starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. It's lovely to be here together, Uh, and if you'd like to turn, or if you're still in your Bibles, to Matthew 28, and to that second reading which we had, that's what we are going to have a look at. And what my plan tonight is, hopefully, is one that coincides with what Matthew's was when he wrote these things, and it is to call us to arms. Matthew, I don't know whether you've noticed it when you were reading uh, this account, but He doesn't go into explaining, in fact, none of the gospel writers go into details and explain just why the resurrection matters to us nowadays. They report it as historical facts and they both, uh, or, sorry four is not both but all four of them add their own particular emphasis to what they want to do and this morning we were having a look at verses 1 to, to 15 and Rehoboth and don't worry I'm not going to tell the whole sermon again but just quickly what we were looking at that Matthew presents us with the facts of the open tomb and he says well there it is. And then he gives us two separate reports uh, as to the two eyewitnesses who were there. The women were there, and they have a certain report, and their report is given really by the angel and the Lord himself, and they go about proclaiming, Christ is risen. He isn't here, that's why the tomb is empty, he's risen. And there were other eyewitnesses, the gods. Well, they disband, and some of them go, we have no idea where, but probably with this news that we've seen this angel, we've heard this earthquake, the tomb is empty. It must have happened. What this man was saying while he was alive, it happened. He's not there. And others went to the high priests and, uh, we've got a problem. The body isn't there. And the high priest thought, well, have we got a problem? This is exactly what we were fearing. And so they come up with this story that while the gods were asleep... Somehow, magically, they saw that the disciples came during the night and stole the body away. To which I was making the point this morning, I would love to have their secret. Because I would love to be able to know what's going on around me while I asleep. But uh, they obviously were. So this, this is what Matthew does, you see. He presents us with the fact, the tomb is empty. And you've got two possibilities. You either believe what the women were saying and that is what the, you know, the most plausible is, of course, that Christ is risen. That's why the tomb is empty. Or you believe the, you know, rather leaky story of some of the gods who went to Jesus' sworn enemies and got this story about. And you will either fall down in worship like the women did, or you will just live on in denial, because the tomb will be empty no matter what. And today, we conclude Matthew's Gospel, and uh, we have here the Great Commission. And Matthew, I believe, is calling us to arms, because if Christ indeed has risen, then it follows that he must be preached to all. Just think about that for a moment. If Christ has indeed risen, it follows that he must be preached to all. So I'm not surprised at all that Matthew concludes with Jesus' words, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, that's the Great Commission. And I want to make a, a, you know, three observations tonight about this passage. First of all, who is this for? Let me answer that. It's for all who believe. Let's read verses 16 and 17 together. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You see, they are not all the same, But they have one thing in common. They are there because they have heard the report of the resurrection and they believed it. Some of them are the hardcore worshippers. The eleven are here. They have heard the women's account of what had happened. And they believed that the women indeed met Jesus. And he was telling them to go to Galilee. And so they did. And they went, and look, he was there, just as he said. What a surprise. Our God is trustworthy. And they were there, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. And you might be here tonight and say, yes, I'm really going on strong with the Lord. I'm a worshipper with the Lord. Praise his name. I love him. I love talking about him. I want everyone to know about him. And maybe you are just saying, whew, Well, if this is for, you know, this this sermon will be for those sort of guys, well, I'll check out right now, because I'm not that sort of person. I'm not that hardcore worshipper. Go tell about Jesus to everyone you meet and everyone who you don't meet. Well, read on, but some doubt it. But they were there, and they heard the Great Commission. They are not incredulous. They are here to see the risen Jesus. You know, the word doubted is used one more time in the scriptures. And it's when Jesus talks to Peter, when he tries this magical thing, walking on water. And Jesus reaches his hand out to him when he, you know, sort of starts to drown. And he said, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? There is the other occasion. What was he? What was Peter? Was he incredulous? No, he wasn't. He started walking on water. He got on all right for a few steps and then he saw the waves and things. He then started to doubt. And Jesus says, you of little faith. And if you think, well, I'm of little faith, you know, I'm one of the weaklings in in God's kingdom, then be encouraged. A, because you belong to God's kingdom if you believe in the risen Savior. But B, because Christ utters this command of the Great Commission to you as well. It's not just for the hardcore worshippers, hard Christians who really always are on top of it. Mind you, I don't know whether they exist at all, but that's by the by. But it's for everyone. For worshippers who, of course, have no doubts about this risen Jesus. And for those of you and me of little faith. Say it's for all of us. You might find it encouraging, you might find it daunting. Well, let's go on to the second observation. And this is really the heart of it. You know, our Great Commission is a life and death issue. No one has a more important job in the world than the Christian. And I base it on this sentence of Jesus. Jesus came to them and said, this is how he started the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What authority is he talking about? Well, would you like to do a little bit of Bible page turning with me and turn to Acts chapter 17? Acts chapter 17. And Paul, who by now has himself met the risen Jesus as well, He knew about the resurrection, therefore, and just watch how he uses the resurrection when he concludes his sermon to these very, um, you know, lofty thinkers at the Areopagus. Acts chapter 17, 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image made by human design and skill. In the past... God overlooked such ignorance, watch this, but now, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, why, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, who is that, he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, and the day is going to come when he is going to use that. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be weighed up. And that moment, every mouth will be stopped, because we will have absolutely nothing to bring up against our case, against us, when all our sins are listed there. And we will have to give an account before the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, who can decide whether you live on in eternity or are condemned for eternity. Now, if you are in Christ, you are safe. That's great. Hallelujah. That's what the great thing about the resurrection, by the way. But what about all those others who aren't in Christ? Are they safe? What will happen to them when the day of judgment comes? And they have to stand before the mighty, risen Savior whom we love and worship today. As much as people don't like listening to this sort of thing nowadays, it's nonetheless a reality. The risen Savior who conquered death has in His power to give life to all who come to Him. And to withhold life from all those who don't. And he has given us the great commission in which we take the news about this saviour to the world. Jesus is the judge of all. But you see, Jesus is the saviour of all who believe. All who believe. I was talking to someone the other day. This particular person has a, a... particularly strong view that God is going to forgive everyone. What do you do with this (laughs) when you hear this? You know, of course, that's what we would love God to be. Mind you, we wouldn't want our judges to be like that, you know, forgive everyone. We wouldn't want that in our society, but we want God to be like that. And so I said, yes, well, indeed God offers forgiveness. And I didn't, but I could have, and I will now turn to John chapter 3. And I know what you are thinking, I'm going to read John 3, 16. Well, I'm not. Not because it's not relevant, but because I want to read something else. You know, just to be on the nerdy side of things. Oh yes, these lovely words from John. In John 3, 35 and 36. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Now, where have I heard that before? Oh, yes, of course, we've just read it in the Great Commission. Well, here is the confirmation. And listen to this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Jesus is the judge of all And Jesus is the Savior of all who believe. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life and can come out of that darkness in which they are living under God's wrath. But how will they hear without someone telling them? And so our Savior calls us to arms, all of us, Brothers and sisters, whether you are really going on strong with the Lord, or whether you are one of those of little faith, the calls come to you from the one who has authority in heaven and earth, the judge of all, who is the saviour of all who believe. And thirdly, therefore, as Jesus continues, it's a moral obligation to... Go and make disciples of all nations. That's the command right there. In fact, that's the only command in these, in these words. Make disciples of all nations. We've got the word of God. We've got the authority given by the risen king to do this. And we have a moral obligation to take hold of the word of God and take it to where people are. Going, therefore, go and make disciples. Teach them, in in verse 20, to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So as... Our Lord calls us to arms. Let that question linger over our heads. Are we obeying the Great Commission? It's for all who believe, whether you are strong or whether you are of little faith. It comes with the authority of the risen Savior and it's a life and death issue for those who we are called to go to. And therefore, it's our moral obligation, thirdly, to go and make disciples of all nations. We're not here to apologize for our faith. We're here to spread it. We're not here to offer it up as a viable solution. We are here to present Jesus, risen from the dead, and let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. Don't forget about Him. We're not here to save people either. We are here as heralds. Are we doing it? Let's finish stronger. Let's do it. Forget about that. Are we doing it? Let's do it. Go and make disciples. Can I pray briefly? And I'll just hand over to Tim. Let's pray. Jesus, our risen, powerful King, who has given us life. We want to start by thanking you for that life. We know that you could have equally said to us, as you said to your disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And Lord, you did. You chose us. We're not any more special than anyone that has come out of the the womb of a woman in this world. We are all the same. And yet, in your sovereign mercy, you have opened up our eyes and given us life. That resurrection life that you yourself possess, Lord Jesus. So we want to start by thanking you for that life. And for the fact that no one and nothing is powerful enough to take this life away from us. Oh Lord, encourage us. And secondly, we would like to pray for ourselves... That we would be good stewards of the riches you have entrusted us in our word, the witness about our risen Savior, the command to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, we thank you that this command is for all of us who believe in you, weak and strong, no one is excluded. How wonderful it is of you! This is so like you. You don't just go for the elite. You could have done a better job with the angels. You've gone for us, weak and powerless as we are. Lord, quicken our hearts and send us out afresh because we've met with the risen Savior, the Judge of all, and the Savior of all who believe. Lord, help us to spread the gospel to go and make disciples where we are and even where we don't normally happen to be. Send us out, out of our comfort zone to where your lost sheep are and save through us for your glory so that many more will come to the foot of a cross and worship at your feet, laying their sins down and picking up, as it were, The resurrection life that you give with nothing withholding to all those who come to you. And we ask all of this so that your name will be glorified. Amen.